Alright, what's up guys? Welcome in to today's episode of the South Heath Tooth Podcast. It is Tuesday, June the 27th, 2017, and I hope you've had a chance now to listen to Monday's episode of the podcast, where we talked about all the news and notes that came out of uh, the SEC Men's Basketball Summer Teleconference. Uh, there were a lot of things to digest there, and I've also started doing the written work, as I talked about in yesterday's episode. You can head over to southeasthoops.com. I've started to put up some stories. First one went up a little earlier this morning on Bryce, Drew, and Vanderbilt. Kind of uh, reinventing their front court now with Luke Cornett out of the picture and in the NBA. Uh, a good read there to, to get some insight into where the Commodores are going to be heading this upcoming season in the front court. And then I'll have some more stuff on the way a bit later on tonight and then continuing into through the week, as I mentioned. Um, and I also want to let you know, before we jump into today's topics, tomorrow's podcast, the Southeast Hoops podcast, will feature an interview, an extended interview with the uh, SEC head coach. Won't give away who just yet, uh, but a great interview. Uh, had a chance to do it on our Marching to Madness podcast. It'll go up on that podcast as well tomorrow. But I know some of you just follow the SEC work and just follow the Southeast Hoops podcast. So we're just going to share it on both, and that way you have a chance to listen to it either way. And I want to make sure you get a chance to listen to it because it's a great interview. So let's go ahead and jump into today's topics. And one of the first things on my mind today, and I've talked about it all off season, is just about the depth in terms of coaching in this league now in the SEC. And, you know, sometimes you can just say it, and people can look around and say, yeah, absolutely, these guys – have what it takes. We know there's a lot of talented coaches, but when you break down the numbers to kind of understand just how successful these guys have been, it's it's pretty outstanding. I mean, it really is. It is outstanding in terms of what they've been able to accomplish. So I went back and looked at each of these head coaches, looking at their three-year history, uh, their two-year history, breaking down each season, kind of looking at, at the, the overall numbers. Uh, and there were some interesting things that came out of it. You know, of all the head coaches, all of these guys except for three have averaged 20 or more wins per season over the past three years. And those three are Rick Barnes, who's averaged 17. But think about he took over a rebuilding process at Tennessee. So naturally, you know, that that was going to happen. Bruce Pearl, 15 wins over the last three years. Again, another rebuilding job. He had one that was much more uh, sort of challenging from that perspective in terms of um, you know, we knew he wasn't going to win right away at Auburn, and we've talked about that. I've talked about Auburn plenty this offseason and talking about what they're going to be able to accomplish there this season. Uh, and so that number is certainly going to take a kick upwards based on what they're going to achieve this year. Um, and then another guy, Ben Howland, who's averaged 18 wins per year over the past three seasons, um, and that dates back to, to a year at UCLA as well. And just like we said, that's another situation where Ben Hallen at Mississippi State uh, knew it was going to be a climb back up the ladder uh, after they struggled uh, before he got there. So understandable for those three to be under that mark, but everyone else is at that 20 or more wins per year uh, over the last three years. And obviously, you know, not all those guys in that group have been at SEC schools at that time. I mean, you think about a guy like Bryce Drew, who has won 26 games per year, averages out 
over the past three years. Of course, two of those were Valpo. And it's the same situation with Will Wade, who's averaged uh, 24 wins per year over the last three seasons. And, you know, obviously that goes back to VCU as well. So uh, there's a lot to to like about these coaches. And when you just break down the numbers at all, these win totals that these guys have had, uh, it's pretty impressive. And that's why it's going to make this so difficult, I think, going into the season to figure out where these teams are going to kind of land. Because you have a bunch of coaches who have proven success uh, throughout their careers. And now they have a chance to, to really kind of take it even further. And the problem is, as, as I've continued to point out, someone has to finish last. And so someone's going to have to be at the bottom uh, once we get into the season. And that's kind of where it's just so difficult now when you're coaching in this league because of all the talent that's been assimilated. And, and, and again, the, the level of competition, both from a coaching standpoint, from a player standpoint, uh, there's just so much competition now in this league that continues to get better and better. But it is. I mean, it's just so interesting to look at these numbers. Uh, and if you go down the line, it's just, you know, you have guys who have won games. And and they're going to try to translate that into big seasons ahead. You know, you start from the top. John Calipari, obviously, you know, three-year average, 32 wins per season. Um, next on the list would be Bryce Drew at 26, like we said. Most of that comes from his days at Valpo. Uh, Michael White at Florida, 25 per year. Had a year from Louisiana Tech in there as well. Um, Will Wade, mentioned him at 24 per year. Uh, 23 per year apiece for both Frank Martin and Mike Anderson. And you think about what Frank Martin's done just in the past couple seasons to kind of overcome that slow start they had at South Carolina. But that's what we keep saying in terms of building the foundation and letting it go from there. Uh, so, so how impressive that is just to kind of see that number. Uh, and then when you go down the rest of the list, Billy Kennedy at 22, uh, three-year average. Uh, Andy Kennedy, 21. Conzo Martin, 21, obviously was at Cal for stretches there. Uh, Mark Fox at 20. And then to round it out would be Ben Howland at 18. Um, and like we mentioned, Barnes at 17, Bruce Pearl at 15. And you don't, you can't include Avery Johnson just because, obviously, he's only been at Alabama for two seasons, only been in the college ranks for two seasons, 37 and 30 overall record. And that record will certainly uh, be adding some significant wins, I'd say, this season based on where I have Alabama slotted head into the season. And of that group, uh, only two of the 14 coaches haven't been in the NCAA tournament in that three-year stretch, and they both, you know, certainly have their reasons. Obviously, Avery Johnson hasn't because he's only been in Alabama for two years, and then Bruce Pearl hasn't because, like we said, you're talking about the rebuilding job going on in there at Auburn. Uh, he's laid the foundation now, and so they're gearing up for a big season. So just just how impressive it is just to look at this from top to bottom. You look at break down the win totals. You break down the NCAA tournament appearances. You talk about the guys who've been to the Final Four. Um, there is just so much to like about this coaching roster going forward. And that is, like like Avery Johnson said on the teleconference, and I mentioned it um, in yesterday's episode, just talking about how this year was going to be a situation where games are going to be decided in the final two or three minutes. That's just going to happen because of, you have all of these proven coaches that, that understand what it takes to kind of build and get programs to the tournament. And so that's going to make for so many intriguing games in this conference. And, you know, the big part of that is going to be 
um, the next topic of discussion, and that's talking about the talent around this league, and more specifically, uh, the talent that's going to be headed to the next level uh, following this season. And you're going to see so many NBA-ready players on the floor this year in the SEC. Uh, and, and then the way to kind of gauge that is to go ahead and look at all of these mock drafts that are already out for the 2018 NBA draft. No surprise, these things are updated all the time. And as soon as the 2017 draft was over, we knew that the 2018 mock drafts would start coming out. And sure enough, they are loaded with SEC players near the top. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea of the variety of talent that's out there right now and the sort of variety of opinions, I guess, based on where all these SEC guys could land uh, or how many SEC guys could ultimately wind up in the NBA draft next year. I mean, let's go ahead and just start with NBADraft.net. In the first round, they have Michael Porter Jr. from Missouri at 1, Robert Williams from Texas A&M at 5, Colin Sexton, Alabama at 6, uh, Jared Vanderbilt from Kentucky at 10, Nick Richards from Kentucky at 11, Amadou Diallo from Kentucky at 13, and Kevin Knox from Kentucky at 14. So that's seven guys in the top 14 picks. Um, that gives you an idea of where they stand on that. Now, in the second round uh, on NBADraft.net, their mock draft for 2018, they have three guys from the SEC, Mustafa Heron from Auburn. They have Yante Maton from Georgia and DJ Hogue from Texas A&M. So that's a group of players there. You know, that's a nice, solid group of 10 guys out of the SEC that certainly will all be in the mix, I would say, next year at this time when we're talking about the draft. Uh, They're all going to have opportunity. Now, if you go over to Draft Express, who obviously another reliable draft uh, resource this time of year, they also have a very SEC-loaded uh, draft and you know a little bit less here but again with the variety Michael Porter Jr. number one I think we all know at this point you know this guy's probably going to be the number one pick I don't think there's much doubt about that uh, based on what he's going to bring to Missouri and all the things he's going to be able to do uh, so Porter at one Robert Williams at Texas A&M at six Sexton at eight Diallo at 14 and then Richards at 22 so those five in the first round on Draft Express which was updated on June the 23rd And then in the second round, just to show you the variety, uh, Dante Hall from Alabama is someone they have going in the second round. Also have DJ Ho from Texas A&M, and they also have Matthew Fisher Davis from Vanderbilt, who's a guy who's going to have an opportunity, I think, uh, with the way he can score the ball, the way he can shoot from outside. You have a shooter like that, they're always going to have a chance at the next level. And again, those are just a couple of resources. But you see there, uh, from that, you see all the different players that are mentioned on each one and that just kind of shows you that there are going to be a lot of guys that are going to have opportunities at the next level it's just a matter of seeing who sets themselves apart this season and that's what's going to make this season so fun to watch because you're going to have so many different players trying to set themselves apart and going up against each other making each other better uh, and kind of being tested all season long getting that competitive nature in them to where they're prepared to, to go to the NBA and have an opportunity. And look, you look back at all these guys that were drafted uh, in this year's draft from the SEC, I think a lot of those guys are going to have opportunities uh, to succeed. You know, And I think there, there were guys that were, were not drafted that will also have a good chance, I think. I mean, you look at a guy 
like Luke Cornett, who can spread the floor, do so many different things well, wasn't even drafted, but he's signed with the Knicks, a two-way contract. He's going to have opportunities. P.J. Dozier, another guy who is going to have an opportunity with the Lakers. I mean, these are there, there are other guys that weren't drafted that are going to have chances at the next level. So it just makes this next year's draft class loaded. Uh, again, with all the SEC guys that we're going to see pop in there, uh, you shouldn't be surprised if you do see, you know, six, seven guys pop up in that top seven, and excuse me, in that top, um, you know, you know, top fifteen, top twenty. It shouldn't surprise anyone because that's how good the league's going to be from top to bottom in terms of the depth, the talent, uh, all around the conference. It's just going to be, you know, so fun to to see all these guys on the floor at the same time, and then ultimately, you know, it's only going to make them better as these guys go to the next level, and get opportunities in the NBA. And then to wrap up uh, today's episode, uh, just some thoughts on a guy that I've been wanting to talk about on here for a while. We've just had some other things going on, but that's J.J. Caldwell at Texas A&M. Finally going to get a chance to step on the floor. Uh, But look, I've talked about Texas A&M a lot. They're a team that continually, the more I look at them, the more they kind of move up in my eyes in terms of what their ceiling could be, what the potential is for this season. Um, And it is very high at this point. And it's only getting better as I continue to look more and more at them, talk to people around that program. Um, It is. There are so many different things to like. But specifically with Caldwell, having him on the floor, here's a guy who was an ESPN Top 100 point guard. I mean, he is someone that that they were expecting to come in last year and contribute right away. Wasn't able to get on the floor due to the homeschooling issues that made him ineligible. Um, But... Now that he's on the floor, it's going to completely change the dynamic of that offense at Texas A&M. Because what Texas A&M needed the most last year, and it's why they struggled so much and kind of didn't live up to the preseason expectations, they didn't have a true point guard. Um, And I've talked about that. They had to play Admon Gilder, a true shooting guard, at that position. They also had to play J.C. Hampton, some other guys as well. Um, but but it just didn't work out. That that resulted in a lot of turnovers. You know, we can remember back games where they were turning it over twenty something times. You know, in multiple games in a row, and you're just not going to have an opportunity to win a lot of games that way. And that's why they lost so many games. It's because they just a lot of times just didn't take care of the ball because they didn't have a true point guard to kind of lead that offense and get everyone in the right positions. But now when you have a guy like Caldwell coming in. With his vision, uh, his his court awareness, he just does so many things uh, that are going to help benefit this offense from, from being a point guard perspective. You know, just being in that point guard role and having a chance to get everyone involved on a consistent basis. He he'll help cure the turnover problem. Uh, they're they're not going to turn over twenty seven times a game this year. If they do, uh, it would be very surprising. But I think he is going to calm things down on offense have a chance to get this offense going through the guys that they it needs to go through. And look, they're going to have options. We just talked about DJ Hogue getting a lot of NBA opportunities, and he's one that maybe people are going to overlook just because he didn't play a lot due to that injury late last season. But we all know about Robert Williams. We all know about Tyler Davis. And as I mentioned with Gilder, uh, here's a guy who scoring-wise came on as much as anyone in the conference last year towards the end of the year. I mean, he had some very impressive scoring numbers, and now that he gets to move away from that point guard position, not have to worry about playing that really, and can be that true scorer at the two spot, uh, his numbers are only going to get better. So 
Texas A&M is just, you know, the Aggies have a ton of opportunity here, and it all starts with Caldwell. Uh, we'll be able to look around and see people saying, well, it's going to, you know, everything's got to go through this guy or this guy. But the, the honest truth is they're going to have options in terms of who this offense goes through. And I think no matter which option they go to each time down the floor, just having someone like Caldwell that can kind of see the floor better, get people in the right spots, um, that's going to be a huge boost. And it's the same kind of thing that a player like Colin Sexton is going to do at Alabama. Uh, When you have those true point guards like that, that are simply playmakers at the position, that know how to make everyone else around them better, uh, it just makes the the dynamic of the offense flow so much better. And I think that's what Caldwell is going to do for, for an Aggies team that, quite frankly, like I've said, is just continuing to move up further and further in my eyes. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of where I slot them at when I release my power rankings here in the next couple of weeks because they they are hard to keep down based on everything that they have coming back. Uh, it's going to be a fun year ahead there in College Station. But, all right, guys, that will wrap up today's episode of the Southeast Hoops podcast. Like I mentioned in the opening, uh, tomorrow's podcast will be a lot of fun, be a nice interview with the SEC head coach, and it will be one definitely worth listening to. A lot of great insight uh, on this coach's team coming into the year and, and just, you know, a lot a lot of great stuff. Just really a great discussion. So be sure to stay tuned to that, and you can do that by subscribing to the Southeast Hoops podcast now on iTunes, on your podcast app. Just search for Southeast Hoops. You'll see it pop right up. Hit that subscribe button, and you can get every episode delivered to you uh, whenever they go up each day. So be sure to do that, and thank you as always for listening to the podcast, and be sure to continue uh, looking for all the written work from the SEC Coaches Teleconference over at southeasthoops.com. Thanks as always for listening. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.